All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Pre-Game Effect podcast. My name is Ian. I'm joined here today by both Dom and Luke. How's it going, guys? Going pretty good. Not bad, not bad. How are you? Hanging in there. Uh, Matt is not able to join us today. He might show up by a little bit later, depending on how long his other stuff takes. But today we do have a special guest for the first time on the podcast. Uh, got one of my old friends, David Lance, who is recently crowned winner of Eternal Weekend Vintage Championships last weekend. How's it going, David? Uh, day by day, but today was a good one. <laughs> Turns out when you find out that, yes, you did win the event, <laughs> it was a pretty good day. Yeah, it was kind of like a stressful week the last week as we like went flipping flopping about what was going to happen about that because Watsy didn't talk to me at all. But here we are. Yeah. So anybody who hasn't really followed um, like any of the Eternal Weekend drama, um, the guy who ended up winning first place in the event on Magic Online ended up actually getting disqualified for bribing opponents during the Swiss rounds, which anybody who doesn't know, that's a big no-no. Especially when you're doing it in a very obvious and recordable fashion um but with him getting disqualified everybody else moved up and that means that hey look second place becomes first place one painting coming my way and a very happy day i forget which which one was the one that you got is it is it actually workshop it's workshop which is very fitting so why don't you talk a bit about the deck that you played in the vintage champs so i played uh, Ravager Shops. It is a deck that has a pretty successful history throughout uh, recent years of vintage, but has recently gone on a decline in response to Force of Force of Vigor and Collector and various other things. But those are the two primary metagame changes that shifted that caused this. But so all, the reason I played it was Cyrus Corman Gill, who won the GP Atlanta on Tuesday of the week leading up to it, suggested that I play it since no one was hedged around it. The PO decks were playing low number of basics. There was low number of sideboard hate for shops because the aggro deck of the format had shifted to become very much the bizarre decks, either in the form of Dredge, which became popular throughout Eternal Weekend, or the bizarre decks on the back of Hollow One and Baskin Rubala, which were leveraging the pitch cards so force of negation, force of will, force of vigor. They were just trying to cast spells without paying mana because why would you pay for mana? That sounds lame. So that's kind of how I got to playing the deck. He suggested it, and he's a very smart and handsome man, so I decided to play it. That's mostly how the decision went. And that all seems reasonable. Pretty good reason to play. Yeah, so some of the things that were happening in the metagame that I think speaks specifically this deck justifiable is like the the audible from traditional ravager shops list is playing the fleet wheel cruiser so you're playing the car and it provides a haste non-creature threat which although it lines up poorly against force of negation which has played a bunch because more forces is good in the format that threatens to end the game early if unanswered it does prose to be a problem against the Doomsday decks in that it enables the deck to have functionally 12 haste threats in the form of Archbound Ravager, Walking Ballista, and Fleet Wheel Cruiser. So they can do 
pass piles, which are pretty common. So they had to take much more aggressive lines because it turns out when you like nine yourself against the anchor deck, you die. No one's surprised by that one. And then the common hate that was going up against creature decks in the format was Tabernacle out of the sideboards of most blue decks because it lined up well against the hollow one decks. But when you have, say, a Mishra's, work, a Mishra's factory and a car, you're just, you just don't care, and now you're lava-axing them every turn. And Vintage is the land of no removal, so sometimes they just die. Uh, yeah, I, I know there's definitely two people in the room who would appreciate a lava-axe every single turn. Hey. Right here. <laughs> it's just a lava axe. Don't be fooled. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if lava axe was just one mana, an artifact. That would be flute wheel cruiser because that's how it feels like in the deck. Because it's just like mana is shenanigans in the format, which is just like the defining characteristic of vintage. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Like, and I I love to hear people who really understand the deck that they're playing and the decisions and whatnot. So like to hear you talking about why this card is being played or how these interactions are going on. Like I, I really haven't followed vintage and a whole lot myself, but like I'm getting more intrigued with it. Just hearing someone who knows what's going on. So it's, it's super cool. And I think it's like, it's awesome to be hearing about it and whatnot. So <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> I think Despite shops being in a downturn, the format felt very enjoyable. Like we were playing lots of games of magic, which when vintage is bad, one player plays magic. Like Luris PO, which was the previous thing that led to a ban, one pe one type of deck played magic and every other deck didn't. And that's when restrictions are obvious and we we make restrictions. But between watching watching and playing my games and watching other games, the format feels very healthy in vintage form. Like obviously it's vintage, so turn one deaths just happen. It's everyone has that propensity in their deck to just invalidate someone's in complete game. And if you go into every match of vintage with that idea, you're going to be much less bothered. Where if you go into a game of modern or legacy, you expect that every game I'm going to get to play magic and when you don't, it's frustrating. And in Vintage, you just go with it. You're just like, okay, well, maybe I'll Trinisphere them next game. Or maybe they'll get to turn one Ancestral and I'm a blue deck. Like, you can't keep up with these cards. You just accept it. Yeah, because for every game where you go turn one Trinisphere and then your opponent just loses, I actually ran a couple leagues with this deck too um, just to test it out. And I had one match where I went turn one, Trinisphere, go. My opponent wastelanded me, and I never cast another spell. It happens. <laughs> uh, actually, when that the sphere, die by the sphere. <laughs> so yours looks like the kind of deck that, like, on turn one you win. You're just your opponent doesn't know it yet until turn like three or four. Yeah, uh, I think I really try not to push that agenda because Vintage, although has a lot of turn one kills, it's really easy to overstate the amount of decisions. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, like there's definitely hands that like I keep multiple restricted cards. And when I keep multiple restricted cards, I'm going to win the game unless my opponent has multiple restricted cards to fight back. That's usually how the dynamic works. But when we're even on that, there's a lot of cool push and pull. Like. 
I attacked with Mistress Factory a lot. And when you think of vintage, that is not the card you are like, you know what I want to do, attack with a 2-2 land. It's just not the type of magic you expect to experience, but is definitely an important part of it. It's one of those when all the exchanges are done and all the smoke clears, nobody has any cards left, and that's all that's left. And they just can't do anything about it because they drew a couple of lands in a row or something silly like that. Yeah. Uh, specifically, like a lot of the blue decks that are meaningfully interacting with you are like Arcanist decks, and Arcanist decks struggle to deal with Mistress Factory. Just, you know, sorcery speed interaction. I will make a 3-3 and they can't attack or they exp they like expend the thing. And if they don't have the ancestral or comparably powerful spell, they are going down on cards where you would expect that sort of deck to be up on cards in those interactions. Yeah, the, the defensive Mistress Factory is always like a very key part of any anti-aggro deck and from what I've played. And it's something I wish was in modern. But at the same time, I'm glad it's not. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. The, the card is like very enjoyable. I'm not sure I would complain if it was in Modern, but it would probably do something stupid because that's what Modern is. If you're not doing something stupid, are you playing Modern? True. <laughs> um, my, my usual thing in Modern is make it so my opponents can't do anything stupid, but that's because I've been playing Miracle. Or anything at all, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's either do or do not is a lot of formats right now. So you were talking about like the hate that, that you were ready for. So, you know, you brought <laughs> up Collector Oof that you, you said has seen a lot of play. I'm looking at your list and maybe I'm missing something. If your opponent lands an Oof, what can you do about it? Is that just game over, man? Well... I don't think it's game over. It is annoying, and you don't want to play against it, obviously. Like, if they could just not do it, that'd be cool. But I think when you build a shops deck specifically, you built around a very specific type of interaction. And I try not to win games that I don't have business winning. Like, I don't try to win every game. It's not the type of deck. So when people play a collector oof, I have, there are a number of ways to play around it. You have stuff like Traxos, you have stuff like just casting more cruisers that you haven't already cast, and you have Stone Coil Serpents. So you have these larger threats to power through, so they can't solely rely on these cards. Obviously, you're now in the, you go from pressuring to you need to close the game, but it's not a card that stops you from winning the game. You still have this stupid land that taps for three mana, and that still works. It's great. It's a lot of a lot of the older variants that have been seen previously are playing like Hangerback Walker. And I really question how that card is winning games of magic right now. Like people register that card and I look at it and I'm like, this thing makes it two two. And then it makes some one ones. So unless sometimes <laughs> If I try, and if I yeah, don't have Artifact Revenger, is exile removal. So even if, even if you make a two-two or three-three, or and get it up to f even four or five, mm -hmm. well, if they just swords it, yeah. Oops. Uh, a lot of the unconditional removal in the format is currently like Assassin's Trophy. You don't see a lot of pushes in the format. So you stuff like Stone Coil Serpent 
weirdly is really good against the format because it hits Dak, it hits Teferi, it hits swings through Leobold, swings through Deathrite Shaman, it has Trample. It just has the weirdly right text for the format while also just being a good place to put your mana, which is how you kind of beat dumb things. When your opponent does something stupid, you just make a big idiot. Like if they make an Energy Flux or a Null Rod or a Stone Coil <laughs> or a Oof, you just make a 7-7 seven, seven and ask them if they can win the game. Usually the answer is no. Yeah, they, they, they just die sometimes. Yeah. Or they like cast a cast a Tarmogoyf for a bounce spell and like they cobble together and then you lose and you don't win every game. That's not how we play magic. That's why we if, if we played if we played every game to win every game, we would all be a lot more miserable at the end of the day. Yeah. I I think it comes from like it's a difference in philosophy between traditional like control players versus aggro players. Like I tend to play more aggressive decks. So I'm willing to accept losing to certain draws. Whereas a control player, that's harder to justify. Like you look at your deck and you're like, what if my opponent does this? Because that's the question you're asking in every point of the game. Whereas the aggro player is like, what sequence of draws can I beat? What sequence of draws do I play to? And it's just a approaching the game from the different side. So that's kind of where I'm at with like stuff with no rod and and oof. Sometimes you lose. And hope them get them next time. Make a seven seven and cross your fingers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because usually in like modern and legacy, you typically play eight or vile decks, right? Yeah, I play a lot of humans in modern, which is honestly thanks to Matt, which he's not here. But I didn't try humans when he had it. I don't know if I would have played it. And then I play a lot of taxes and legacy, so I'm kind of used to that. What if your opponent is playing Belcher? The answer is I lose the game. Yeah, I get to go get lunch early. <laughs> I mean, that happened in 2018, Eternal Weekend. I was 5-0, 6-0, one of those. And I went to the feature match. And my opponent was on Belcher. And you can see me in the background of coverage, walking off like three minutes into the round. But I had gummy bears because the judge liked Belcher, so he gave us gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> At least I got gummy bears, right? <laughs> That's kind of where it seems I'm... worth it. As a Belcher player, I can confirm that, yes, that match will end in three minutes. Yeah. If it lasts four or more, the Belcher player is probably going to lose. Exactly. <laughs> Try not to let those so, happen. Was that the Eternal Weekend that was in Columbus? No, I did not play in that one. That is 2016 is the last Eternal Weekend in Columbus, if I recall. Okay. Because I yeah, think... Yeah. Eternal Weekend Columbus, I played against Belcher when I was 5-0. Oh. I was playing Punishing Jund. I thought seized him and conceded. Uh, that seems that seems correct. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So there was nothing you could take that would stop it. Nope. He literally had enough mana and enough payoffs that no matter what I took, it did not matter. So yes, yeah, so he he made a billion mana and like had two win conditions and yeah. Yep, that's pretty good. Sometimes you don't play blue decks and you play against decks that require blue, then you lose. Easy come, easy go. Well, my first time playing the deck was funny. I went three and one at like a challenge at Star City. And the three I beat were Delver decks, like blue decks. And people were like, you aren't supposed to beat those decks. And then the one I lost was the last round to Mandela Stretch. So I actually that, heard 
God, that sorry. entire match lasted four turns. Yeah. I heard a weird theory that I'm not sure I disagree with, but since we're talking about Belcher, I thought I'd bring it up. Uh, that Belcher loses more games against non-blue decks because of how you keep your hands. Like in the blind as a Belcher player, you keep hands to be blue decks because that's what you're worried about. You keep hands that more rely on empty and more rely on an, a redundancy piece in one place or another such that you can beat it. And then you end up just like losing to a Thoughtseize because you thought they were gonna have days and instead they Thoughtseize you like a big jerk. Why would they do that? <laughs> Don't they know this is the wrong format? Like that sort of <laughs> what thing. What do you think this is, modern? <laughs> that is an interesting theory, yeah. And yeah, I don't know that I disagree with it. Because I do, because it's legacy, I just assume everybody's playing a blue deck until I know different. Okay, I keep every hand assuming my opponent is on Delver until they prove me otherwise. Yeah. Because you usually are. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I feel the same way. You just assume that they're going to be playing some form of blue and then, you know, oh, it's burn. Oh, Oh, well, this is terrible. Like, you know, look down at my four non-basics. Oh, okay, cool. I thought it was Wasteland that was going to kill me, but it's just price. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, that Chalice on one you played on turn one, resolved and is much better off. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For but sure. the second Chalice <laughs> and my no mana, they just like those are the type of hands you keep that end up good against what you expected. That dynamic has always been interesting to me and how formats play out because of what you expect your opponent to play versus what they actually play. Yeah. Because yeah, I know there's been plenty of times in the past where like, I go into an event and I expect to play against like decks A, B, C, and D in the meta. And I build my deck to completely destroy those decks. It's working well in testing. I like 80% win rates. And then I play against decks Q, R, and S and I just go 0-3 drop. And you're like, oh, well. It's like, all right, I guess uh, that's how it goes sometimes. I didn't plan for Soul Sisters, Blue Tron, <laughs> and other weird deck. Okay. <laughs> like, I think every time I try to prepare for like the top decks, it's I've never played against them. I've played against them once. I, I distinctly remember... It was a Star City event a few years ago. It was right before Probe got banned um, in Modern. And Infect was everywhere. And I played Burn. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be playing against Infect all day. I had my first Infect opponent in round six. I beat the crap out of him. But, <laughs> like, that's finally when I found someone. You know, I had lost... But you were already two and three. I mean, I was... I think I was... I was um, four and one at that point. I had lost to Mardu Planeswalkers. This was years ago. Like, random, yeah, I don't know. And I thought after losing to them, I was like, okay, yeah, uh, I'll be done. But I was just playing to have fun. And I think that was the best I placed. It was like 26th in um, one of the challenges on, I guess, Sunday or something. But I remember, like, finally finding that Infect opponent and – it was just like, here we go. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, I sideboarded in my gut shots to get, you know, kill all the rest of his things and get more prowess triggers. Like, man, that was, 
<laughs> was super fun. <laughs> you I was laughing when you mentioned Soul Sisters because the first time I ever played Burn at a Star City event, actually at any event, first round was Soul Sisters, and I beat them <sighs> with some well-timed skull cracks. That's beautiful. When he went to activate his second martyr, um, he goes, well, I'm just going to do it now before you have a chance to say like two cards again. He goes, I'm going to do it now before you have a chance to uh, draw the your other skull crack. Skull crack? He's like, God damn it. He just goops. <laughs> There's always some matchups. He's like, maybe There's four. always some matchups where it's like, right, I'm good unless I hit this. Like, I've played plenty of dumb decks before. Like, I played, uh, I played Mill in a uh, classic one time just because I was just tired of playing control for hours and hours all weekend. Had an opponent go turn one, colonnade go, and then I played a Hedron Crab and he conceded the match because he didn't want to play it. And actually, honestly, honestly, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, David, with like, Sometimes you just are gonna lose. There's there's nothing you can do about it. Your your opponent either has the deck that is the perfect foil to yours, or they drew the exact eight or nine cards in the first couple turns that they need to beat you. Yeah, I mean there's nothing you can do about it. We play magic. Like if I asked you what a good winmate was, the answer is like upper 60s, 70s. That would be a great win rate. Mm -hmm. If I could hold that for all of my magic, I would do well at intermittent events. I would be happy. But So you have to expect that like 30% of the time, you're just going to lose your match. And I've always thought it would be interesting to be figure out how much of games of magic were skill-based losses and how much were just either before you sat down at the table or variance losses. For sure. I mean, it, you have to look at, if you watch, like, you know, when back when it was the Pro Tour and I guess the, the Mythic Championships, I used to watch them a lot more than I do now, but you would watch, you know, they'll have, like, a guy who's in the Hall of Fame and they'll put his career stats up and it's like, he has a 61% win percentage. And it's just like, oh, my God. That just shows the variance in the game. Yeah. I think so that shows that, yes, it is a lot of luck. And, yes, I know those – those are games against the best players, but still, it just goes to show that there is a lot of variance in the game. There is there is luck involved. You know, I've I've never even like foroed and never got lucky. There was always at least one or two. You know, if I foro a random Friday or Monday or Tuesday night up at the game store, at least one or two of those games I got lucky. Usually, it's at least half of them. Something went your way, and you took advantage of it. Like that's the most important parts about magic is playing to not lose to bad variants and playing to take advantage of your good variants. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to set up your place so that it's like, okay, I have to get lucky. I have one card in my deck that if it's that top card and I draw it, I'll win. So you got to play to, and you have to know, you have to know enough to set up for that. Yeah. It's figuring out so how to it's maximize a combination there. Luck. Yeah. Yeah. Maximize your luck. Make your own luck. But not in you the You can't get lucky right? if you don't. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> cheat. That's bad. Okay. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with that stuff, too. Like, exactly what you're saying, David. You know, 
there's going to be times where you sit down to play or, you know, you're at your computer and the game's almost already decided, you know, and just understanding that you can't be upset if your opponent's deck did the thing, you know, they built the deck to do this. If it did that, go for it, you know? And I, I know, at least for myself, I would get frustrated a lot with um, certain things, but finally accepting that, you know, if it, it, I think it took me playing more legacy to understand that where like more broken things happen. And I'm sure just like you've talked about with vintage and stuff, you're all going to be playing crazy cards. You know, there's the reason you're playing these older formats is to play these ridiculous cards. So if something goes your opponent's way, okay, that's fine. Shuffle them back up. Hopefully it goes your way this time. So not being upset, you know, if, yeah, they have, you know, if I'm on burn and they have the chalice on one and the chalice on two, like, okay, sure. But now I'm, yeah, yeah, sure. Yep. You got it. Cool. You know, but also playing to your outs, you know, I've, I've been the Bogles player against uh, Bantle Drazi, or no, yeah, Bantle Drazi, and they had Chalice on one and two, and I just kept casting things into it to draw two cards every time to find my three drop to get across, like, for the finish slide, like, trying to find those ways to to finish out the game for you. Um, but like I said, I, I definitely agree with that, understanding that things are going to be out of your control, and you can't really be upset at someone's deck working the way it was designed to play so <laughs> you put the cards in your deck to draw absolutely them. yeah it's just like the older the format the more that gets exacerbated mm -hmm. and if you take that back to more even formats like the younger the format the more level the playing field mm -hmm. there's like less polarizing matchups but the same things happen you just like in vintage you draw a restricted card in standard, you draw this card one turn earlier. You draw your Euro and then you win the game. Yeah, stuff like that. It's like understanding that I could have, I can play around only so much. For sure. That I think understanding that is where it, it kind of opens up more things. Where mm -hmm. this is out of my control. I don't have to stress about this because we are playing this game, hopefully to have fun. Um so, like, that's one less thing my mind has to be on. I can be trying to figure out how to deal with this threat or what cards I need to be playing myself to try and win the game, capitalize on whether a misstep by my opponent or if they fumbled or if it's something like that. So it's definitely cool to see that aspect finally start to click, you know. So I, I know that that's at least how I felt, especially in this past, I'd say, a year where I really started to get into Legacy. Um, just understanding, you know, you sit down against Storm and they just have it. Cool. You did it. You know, that, that's totally fine. <laughs> and now I side in my, you know, X amount of cards and just hope that I can stop them or they fumble for a second. So. <laughs> Cross your fingers. Like, I don't know. I think playing older formats really makes it's a lot easier to play Magic and just not get bothered. Mm-hmm. And magic is, I play better when I am having fun. When I am upset, I play mm -hmm. worse. So just moving past games I couldn't change or moving past games I did punt because we all do that. Like, just play the next mm -hmm. one. The next one only gets affected if yeah, you punt it. Absolutely. Trying to 
come up to the table or you know the next match with a clean slate like mentally for the most part i think is something that i know i've been trying to personally work on leave everything in the past whether it was good or bad because sometimes you could be riding a little bit too high you know forget about a trigger or something and then that ends up costing you everything so it's definitely something to keep in mind and I, I try and keep reminding myself to get into these kind of good practices and whatnot so it's definitely cool to hear you talking about those things as well so it makes me feel good <laughs> i like what you said about the you know we play to have fun i know we, we've talked about it before you know yes this is a game for fun and then part of that is that's why i play decks i like to play i don't always go looking for the best deck i always look for the best deck that is in a strategy I like to play. Because even even if I'm your best that, deck. Yeah, your my best, best deck. Because even if I'm winning and I'm not playing a deck that is fun for me, it's it's just not as much fun. I'd rather go one three with a fun deck than four oh with a deck that I just don't enjoy playing. I mean if you can't play your deck and say beep beep at your opponent whenever you cast a fleet wheel cruiser like are you having a good time <laughs> I, totally. I definitely was honking at opponents when i cast gilded goose totally oh, yeah, understand see, it. that's why I, I always go like um <laughs> if i bolt them <laughs> <laughs> it's just we're here yeah, that's, what, like, that's you, what you, you need to be take right? a joke yeah it's, it's perfect it's even more fun when like especially when you know the person sitting across from you oh yeah so like yeah. when you're doing all this fun stuff it's like oh i'm gonna like use this removal spell on your creature and you stick your removal spell under the creature and flip it into the graveyard or i'll tell my opponent when i play a hand attack you know show me your secrets i want to know them i have gotten a lot of mother of runes plowed people plow my mom when she hits the table it's very rude <laughs> It's just a very common thing that happens. And, you know, opponents, they, they do it and they don't realize that they're just, it's very rude of yeah. them. It's like all those 13-year-olds <laughs> on Xbox were always threatening it. And it turns out it's the Magic players actually doing it. <laughs> they were doing it the whole time. <laughs> They've been doing it since like 1999. <laughs> it's hard to believe that we're all adults with bills and responsibilities and things like that. Okay, I have bills and responsibilities and the giant Magic cards. <laughs> I was going to ask what it was. Awesome. Ah, nice. Nice. So, yeah, the, the giant survival of the fittest on the wall is always, uh, mm -hmm. always a nice touch. We, uh, a group of, uh, a group of us put our tickets together and got the Oko, the giant Oko before it was banned. And then we immediately sold it for like $500. So that was, nice. uh, Really nice. Paid for our entire weekend. That was super cool. <laughs> yeah, I have this one, and then I also have the Cavern of Souls, the Avacyn Restored Art. It's in my closet. That's a good one. I had meant to sell it, but then like the store owner wasn't willing to buy it at the time because he was like intending to buy it one of the Columbus local mm -hmm. stores, and then COVID happened. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah. You'll sell it eventually. It's fine. Actually, yeah, I'm not worried about that. Well, you know, they might reprint it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, unlikely to reprint my big card. 
I did. I did actually want to ask you about caverns. I was looking at your lists, and I was wondering if there was ever any consideration for it. Well, I have a question for you. Which land would you cut? That's the that's the thing I was wondering too. That's what I was trying to figure out, and I couldn't think of one. And I don't think you want to go up on lands because the number of mocks and everything, and you obviously aren't going to cut those. Yeah. So I think that would be. That, that I'm guessing that's the big deciding factor on especially on a card like that where it's it's good it'd be useful again to fight all the the blue decks we were talking about but yeah there's nothing really to cut yeah um I also am not sure I would play it if there was a slot I mean I think there's basically going to be a card that's better because I think if I was playing another card in the land slot I would either be playing a basic or like a ghost quarter just because no one plays basics. They're really hard to fit in your vintage decks. Mm -hmm. And none of my creatures, except Lodestone Golem, are particularly threatening to blue decks. They're just dudes. Yeah, I think if if your opponent is casting a Force of Will on one of your creatures, you are more than happy with that because it's a still a two-for-one. Yeah. I also am really okay with most of my stuff getting Force of Will, unless they proceed to follow it up doing stuff. Because mm -hmm. I get to trade up and I have more mana. And if we both get too empty handed and I start drawing cards, I can draw an 8 8. They can draw a Ponder. Mm -hmm. One of these is more scary. But it's like a very choice thing. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. There's also the downside of Cavern of Souls taps for one mana. Most of those lands tap for more. And I was looking at your creature suite, how, you know, there's not a lot of like shared creature types. So I guess construct is the most common. But... Yeah, uh, there's been construct builds in the past. The uh, scrapyard combiner, I think the card's called. It's like a. Here, I can probably find it. Give me a second. Let me make sure I get the correct text on this card before I start spewing nonsense. It's like a three tap second artifact, but hey, knowing the actual words on there hasn't stopped us before. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're fine with that. Okay, we're gonna find this thing. It is hiding here. Someone played right, it. Scrap re it is... recombiner. With with the older cards, knowing the words on the card often doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yes, what what do those words actually mean now is the big thing. Yeah, it's like a recent card. Yeah, it, though, was, so. it was it was out has... of modern horizons. So it's Scrapyard yes. Recombiner. Uh, it's a three mana construct with modular two. So it comes in as a two, two. Uh, tap and sack an artifact, search your library for a construct, reveal it, put in your hand and shuffle. Yeah, I've seen versions of that. Uh, Montolio just posted a four one in the vintage prelim. And for those unfamiliar, Montolio is a well-known shops player in vintage. Uh, he won Vintage 2018, 2018 Eternal Weekend, I think. Relatively. I could recent. be wrong on that. I know that. Yeah. And he was playing shops. But like his list is having Foundry Inspector, Chief of the Foundry, Steel Overseer, and Scrap Trawler. So it's just like a very different way to approach the deck, which I just don't think those are the type of cards that you're wanting to win the game. But the... The synergy of the constructs is definitely something that's been tried before. There is like right on the edge of the right density of relevant constructs. Mm -hmm. 
I think it'd be better if Arkbound Ravager wasn't hanging out being a beast for no good reason, but it is. I, I think the good reason is so that it's not a construct. Yeah, but they didn't think about that. <laughs> They're just like, it's a beast. I mean, when they first printed it, it didn't even have a creature type. I'm half surprised they don't change. They didn't change the creature type to Hound now that they have that option. It's some nonsense. Creature type naming is such a shenanigans. Really like is. now they have to strategically not make things humans, which is always awkward. Yeah, things are knights or soldiers, and then it's like it's a human. Or or dryad, and then they made dryad of the illusionary grove, not a dryad. I believe they did come back and fix that though. They did, but they had to, which was just like, yeah. <laughs> come on, it's in the name, guys. Mm -hmm. Wild. Um, I guess as we were talking about card choices, I, I'm curious on, I, I guess your thoughts on it, these new cards that are coming out. If if they're making their way into the older formats, like, are you, is it, is it really shaking things up? And whatnot, like I, I guess the past year, and or so, um, just I guess the the strength of these cards. Just I guess your thoughts on it. Uh, kind of an open-ended question. Yeah. <laughs> so I would group 2019-2020, similar design philosophies. It's all under the fire design philosophy, and I would say that every format I have played prior to that, and then after that, does not look the same. They are just like not remotely the same formats. Uh, specifically, Vintage has been warped a bunch just by ad adding more free spells. Turns out the free spell format is good with more free spells. I I'm sure no one could have seen that one coming. Uh, everybody knows that mana is the most fair part of the game, so let's just cheat on that. <laughs> if we don't have to use that, then we have all these other slots for not mana. It's great. <laughs> But, I don't know, I have gone up and down with Legacy on the design philosophy. I think some cards, the format would be better without, but are not powerful enough. It is a similar opinion I've had of True Name Nemesis in the past, where they don't create good gameplay patterns, in my experience. Like I feel that. Um, if we look at Oko, the fact that it's still legal in Legacy, is silly to me. It seems that it is maybe too good, given that the two best decks are Snow and Rugged Elver, and I think that's pretty universally accepted. I don't know mm -hmm. how much you guys are playing online Legacy, but I, that's my yeah. leagues. No, I and that's my. <laughs> I have played against a lot of Oko over the last several weeks, which, like, looking at the. Legacy metagame on MTG Goldfish. It shows 8.6% of recent events Snowco and 6.4% is Team or Delver. It feels like a lot more than that, though. Like, I don't uh, see most yes. of these decks that it has on here. I stopped seeing decks after Doomsday. After Doomsday, I would include Omnitel, mm -hmm. but. Those are the eight decks I see, not including Cloudpost. Cloudpost just had that one weird weekend last weekend yeah. where it had put two into the finals or something silly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've been but, seeing a lot of Omnitel lately. Mostly because I've been so, playing it. 
if that makes you, sense. The decks are really good. If you change it to 30 days, the past 30 days, the Snoko jumps up to 11.1 and Teamer Delver is 9.8. Mm-hmm. So that's probably more what's happening with those. Yeah, and then Cloudpost yeah. is down I mean, to I've, 3.7. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know I've been watching a lot. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. Myself, I get nervous trying to do all the clicks and stuff online. I know how to do the things and paper but like trying to learn and get the reps online um i recommend not figure everything out not casting archron ravager it's like the scariest thing to activate online <laughs> yeah <laughs> every time i would activate it like i knew my opponent was dead i just had to like do the archron ravager logic and i would mm-hmm. sit there and meticulously click well i'm sure my opponents were very upset at me but i was oh. just terrified <laughs> if your opponents were anything like me they are looking at that board state and saying okay yes i'm dead if he clicks this right so how many times <laughs> did you accidentally sacrifice your archon ravager zero times there is a clarification that stops you from doing it unless you really need to there didn't used to that be. doesn't mean i wasn't scared there didn't used to be yeah. no <laughs> <scary>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I played shops back in that. I definitely did it then, mm-hmm. but I have not done that. I don't think I've made a really bad moto click in a while. They, they've gotten rid played... mm-hmm. I still complain about uh, if you play vial in the upkeep, you have to click on the vial trigger to put it on the stack for no reason. Mm-hmm. It did not used to be that way. It changed it two years ago, and it has not been changed back. It is very annoying. I've been playing <laughs> decent amount of vial decks too. Yeah. yeah. It's the worst part about playing Vial Decks. <laughs> when you're down on clock, I board out my vials. If I'm at like three minutes on clock, I board them out because I can't get through the clicks. I've I've had worse reasons to board card down. Hey, I mean, if it works, it works, right? <laughs> my, but, my favorite way to board wait. cards out, though, I can't even do online because usually when I'm playing control, if I'm up a game and there's like six minutes left in the round, I board out all my win conditions. But I can't really do that online because I still need to win the second game. Yeah, I don't know. If you play Legacy and play against Snoko, you can clock them like half of your games if you try. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're I was um Oh go for it. Sorry. Especially if you're a Caracas deck, because like you play Caracas and they can't kill you unless they use Oko. Because mm-hmm. you just Caracas their Uro and the deck literally has no way to kill people. Like you could draw all the cards you want, just yeah. like can you kill me? Yeah, you're at infinite life and you drew your deck. I played against for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I recently started to play uh, like Discord Paper Legacy. Yeah. And um, so I finally built Four Color Loam and it's playing one Uro, three Oko. I've never played with these cards. So I know it's a grindier deck anyway, so I'm trying to keep up pace and all this. And I get paired against a five color snow deck. Time was called in our first game. Um, I won in turns on turn four by uh, playing my Uro, casting it for like, I think the fifth time in the game, uh, drawing the card to find my Bajookabog, play Bajookabog, exile the rest of their card, and then alt my Kaya, targeting them. They were at like 36 life, I think it was. And that was really great. Like, I was I was nervous anyway playing with these. It was my first time playing, so I was shaking a little bit, and I had to like get up, do a lap around my house a little bit just to try and like shake shake some things off, man. That, but I totally get the you know 
clocking them out and it's a part of the game i i understand it you know yeah so but playing in paper that was that was interesting because we didn't we, neither of us really had a whole lot of cards left so that was wild <laughs> yeah, the whole clocking thing is just like i've always thought of playing moto and playing paper as two different games they're very similar but they play differently like you can only do mm-hmm. certain things in one and certain things in the other Absolutely. And I, I feel, I think that's, that's what makes me nervous, but I sit here and I look at most of the decks that I play. There is no way that I should be anywhere near that 25 minutes because <laughs> like, I'm good. usually an aggro player. Yeah. And I, I, um, cause for the legacy eternal weekend, I was messing around and I got one of the passes mm-hmm. and was playing like five color alone. And I think the most time that came down, I still had nine minutes or something after a game three against a cloud post opponent. Well, those were like super fun games. So I do need to hop on there more and actually get to play, especially with everything that's going on in the world. So actually get games in. So I think it's definitely something I want to look into. So what did you you all think of the God accounts? I used them the first time around when it was Gen Con weekend. Um, Unfortunately, I was out of town for work last, when they did for Eternal weekend, so I wasn't able to actually play any events. But I loved it. We were over at our buddy Mike's house, and I decided that I want to play the stupidest deck possible. Because my Mana Traders account has a limit of 150 cards. Okay, makes sense. But we played Vintage Battle of Wits beautiful and i think we won a single game it was insane but it was insane it was but we were laughing the entire time (laughs) and it goes back to uh what is it just having fun yeah Yeah, like i was playing doomsday (laughs) battle of wits storm every two card combo you could ever think of in vintage several that you would never play in vintage and but we ran out of cards, so we started putting these. Exactly. In. Like, I had to get to 250 somehow, and you can only play so many restricted cards. Uh, Put them think, all in, and then I ran out of cards. Yeah, like, I, I think we literally, like, there was, like, three cards on the restricted list that we didn't play because they were just useless. Like, I didn't play great. I assume. Makes sense. I wouldn't play that card. But everything else, <laughs> though, I think we played. It was the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. Well, I think that's how we started the deck was we just looked at the restricted deck, put all, or the restricted list, put all of those in except for those couple that were like, nope, this isn't doing anything. That's a good general policy on building vintage decks. You look at your basic plan and you're like, how many restricted cards does it have? And you put all of those in your deck. <laughs> and, then, and then you start building the deck. <laughs> They're restricted for a reason. Mm-hmm. Mm, definitely makes sense. Um, but with the God accounts, I thought it was great. It made it helped me try out some decks, and I—I I mean, I was only really playing it for that legacy one. I, I wanted to try and hop in with the vintage. Um, I think, I mean, having that what twenty-five dollar price tag mm-hmm. to play whatever you want for a while, like, yeah, sign sign me up. That was fantastic. So that was that helped me try some things out and just have fun like there is like i said the five color loam deck i was just messing around with that you know it's 
I, I know it's cheaper to play things online, but also sometimes looking at them, you know, looking at all the tickets. So then you could go to these renting services, but then you got to figure that. And if you want to cancel it, you got to remember to cancel it and all these things. And that was fantastic for a week and a half. Just, and I just played the free, free cues or whatever. Yeah. You just hung um, out, played magic. Yeah. And it was exactly that. And I, I was playing against some different things. Like I, I played against high tide and I'm like, sure that's fine you know this is going to be wild <laughs> i was broadcasting Alice. it through discord <laughs> yeah no exactly <laughs> they had um they had some card that every every like one of my upkeeps i chose artifact enchantment oh oh a uh, creature or land to fairies out oh that yeah 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 so that was interesting yeah because um, i was literally just looking at high tide lists the other day because i was considering playing reset tide Nice. Mm. I remember when Mission right. Briefing came out, I tried playing Reset Time. Mm. It was bad. Mm -hmm. And then I clicked through people's declare their declare defenders. Basically I clicked through and I died Oops. multiple times. It was not good. Yeah. All, my favorite <laughs> mostly because the UI for mission briefing was not great on initial release. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my favorite thing about that deck is just you kill them in response to you dying. It's like Hold up. Because <laughs> like, I played I played Reset Tide for a little while when uh, Feline Longmore was playing it. And because yeah. we went to Grand Prix Jersey and she played it there. And then I just like the next week we got back to our LGS. And I'm like, hey, can I just borrow Reset Tide? I want to just try it out. And I won on turn two because I just had a god draw. But I had and you're like to. this deck is great. Yeah, like I had to. <laughs> like I went turn one island go, and then my opponent made twenty goblins on turn one, and I didn't have the counter spell. I'm like I guess we got to go for it, and I somehow got there. <laughs> but that that, that that deck's always a lot of fun. Just see how many cards I can draw and if it kills them. Yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting to watch because I know I've I've seen it a few times. Um, do I have really a great idea of what's going on? No, but that's okay. I'm just along for the ride sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Toad's wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought the God accounts were like really good. Like, I give a lot of criticism of Watsi, especially with how like recent sets have gone and how they manage things. But wow, were the God accounts counts great. It just makes me wish they would keep doing it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I know i think we had mentioned it too like hopefully this can be something that kind of keeps going on you know yeah. whether even if events you know somewhere down the road can keep happening in person again like if this is something that can just happen every so often totally down you know if it was quarterly events or bigger events and seeing that they upped the cap for the vintage ones was nice too because mm -hmm. um, I unfortunately wasn't able to make it to one of my uh, use my ticket or whatever for the legacy events and they uh, refunded me or uh, I got play points for it or something they gave me like three or four options so I just took the play uh, points that's awesome like, yeah I was like this is 100% cool like I was kind of looking at it like listen my $25 is a week and a half to play whatever I want on here that's fine but the rest then, is just upside yeah absolutely so I'm super down with it like i said i i am i am in on it you know 
I really think... like it on the restricted formats, the the vintage of the legacy where mm-hmm. monetarily it's so hard mm-hmm. on Absolutely. people. And with some of these card, these newer cards that are going in there, so seeing some of the prices of these things are insane. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see, like, because I've been thinking about, well, would it work, or would they ever um, just have a an item in the store that is one week of God account for twenty five bucks? I think they're yeah. gonna. And I think I think they would have people jumping at that. Like uh, you know, not everybody would do it. It would kind of screw over. Maybe not screw over, but it'd make it rougher on people. Yeah, like I, I think the fact that Moto like has that, its but, own economy would kind of push them away from doing that as a permanent thing, because there's so yeah. many there's so many stores and so many like local game stores that have an online division or just online stores that would be absolutely ruined if it was a permanent thing. Um, I kind of like have a, having the idea of like, okay, cool. We're bringing back Holiday Cube this week. And then next week we'll have God Accounts for a week. Yeah. I'd be 100% I think yeah, if it was like in the rotation. Yeah. That seems a lot more cool. Yeah, I agree. They just can't do it forever because of how they've made Moto this far. Mm-hmm. But. Wow, if they could, it would be great for some formats. Because the price of some of these cards is too damn high. Two yes. Force of Negation for 174 tickets. Sweet Jesus. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I regret yeah. selling them when I did online because I opened a couple oh. of Modern Horizon straps. Man. It's like, but even yeah, then, that is wild. Even then, I sold them for like 60 ticks each. Yeah. Yeah, like how you feel bad about it. It's that. like I couldn't, but now looking at it, it's like, oh, they're eighty bucks each, ninety bucks each. It's like, and I should hold on to them for a while longer. Well, didn't you open up Ian a um a leyline of the void when it was spiking? Yeah, I did. It was like leyline. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Like, or a surgical or it was, something. It was surgical. Uh, yeah, was like, surgical went from like eight, nine ticks to like 75 tickets overnight because phoenix was a death. <laughs> it was yep. insane and like two days later i opened a surgical in a treasure chest because i was just tilt opening packs i'm like oh sweet <laughs> this is the best three two i've had all night <laughs> hey he's the three two there you go like, and then you weren't tilting anymore, no i was right? ecstatic <laughs> like i took those i took those play po- or those tickets and just burned through like three or four fun leagues in a row I have this problem right now where I have 2,000 play points because of doing well at the events. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Yeah. It, it is really a struggle. So bad. <laughs> I, I wish I could take them off of your hand for you. Uh, yeah, I wish I could give them away. I would. I don't like it. I don't think you're going it's a weird to, problem. I don't think you're going to go through that many leagues. No. Also, I don't think I've... I put like initial money into Moto and have never put money except for those $25 for those events. Mm-hmm. That's like the first money I've put in the moto in like three years. Yeah. I've, I've been doing mana traders for about two, like a bit over two years now. And that I will never buy another card on moto again. Yeah. I had mana traders for like a year and a half and then stopped at quarantine because I only played mana. I only played moto to prep for paper events mm-hmm. at that point. Like I did just didn't play online events. So I was like, I will get this again if I want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
now I'm looking at it and I'm considering getting into it again because this was like the most enjoyable magic I've played in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like, it's awesome to hear. Even if you go with just like the middle tier plan, like with the $35 a month one, like if you get a five mm-hmm. Oh and a four one, you can sell tickets to mana traders to pay for your, or to like put in your wallet and pay for your subscription out of there. Yep. So it's that's like, what I've always done. So like if you do anywhere near decent for the month, like it just pays for itself. It's just like, do you play enough? Yeah. Was more of a question of like, like do you four one a couple of leagues? Do you three two? Like just do you play enough to sustain it? Because while there are people in leagues, I don't know how they play magic. I get very confused by my opponents sometimes. Like once every other league, I just get an opponent. I'm just like, do you play magic? No? Okay. I mean, you'll, you'll definitely get those. But then, like, there's been times where it's like, oh, I'm playing against Saffron Olive for the fourth <laughs> league in a row. And it's on a four different decks that he's playing. And I'm in three videos that week. <laughs> it's like, nice. The worst is when you, like, just queue up for, like, a Tuesday night league and you run into, like, some pro. And you're like, I was not ready for this. It's like, <laughs> it was like a Friday night. It's like, I have been drinking. I don't want to draft against LSV. What is going on here? <laughs> like, I'll put this man in my pod. This is bullshit. Get this out of here. At least, at least now, even if you draft with him, you know he's going to have to, yeah. have to play. True. That would be extra bad. Yeah. Jeez. I think the draft leagues are I actually don't like them personally I always liked doing cube and just singly limbs because you know what the other people are going to have you don't have to play a mirror match in cube like that's fair yeah that is awkward playing it doing a draft and playing a mirror match the mm. problem is I've done that in paper well, we were on like so opposite both of your sides. Decks are blue green. Yeah, both your decks are lower powered than they should be in any way. Yeah, yeah. Like you play each other round one, and you go, "Oh, well, neither one of us are three I found all uh, my good cards, and they look at you and like, "I found all my good cards." <laughs> Bastard! Wow. Why would you do this? Why would you <laughs> take my cards? All right, so. We've been talking a lot about vintage and about legacy. So how about we bring up some of the new cards that are getting printed into those formats uh, through Commander Legends, which is coming out next month, or actually this month, I guess it's November now. Um, so this is a set that was a draftable commander set. Um, so there's a lot of legendary creatures, plan- there's more planeswalkers that can be commanders but it's all built around the commander format. But there's definitely a lot of cards in here that can see play in Legacy and Vintage and not just in a meme. Um, Have you guys had any cards that you saw out of it that you're interested in playing? I know Dom has a couple. I I think the ones that pretty much have uh, Monarch in there has been real interesting all those enchantments because i have enchantress and uh i actually own a moat and it turns out being the monarch and a moat kind of go together so i'm intrigued to try some of them again they'll probably be more of a, a meme 
thing here. Um, trying to find the ones. So like I, I think the Court of Grace. It's the two white white enchantment. Um, when it enters, you become the monarch. At the beginning of your upkeep, you create a one one white spirit creature token with flying. But if you're the monarch, you create a four four angel instead. I don't think it's amazing, but I mean, you already play Sigil of the Empty Throne. Like, I, I can, you know, it, it depends on the version of Enchantress I'm running because right now they gave me uh, Destiny Spinner, and that's like has been the bee's knees for sure. Um, and also just being able to wish for Emrakul in my board that's also super fun to win that way. Um, I could see losing the helm and rest in peace combo because that's kind of like iffy here and there. But I think that's could be right pretty good right now anyway, just with rest in pieces in the board or main with like Uros and stuff going around. Yeah, um, rest in peace like just turns off like the rubbed over decks right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, but I, I think some of the cards like that are interesting. Um, that court of cunning, one blue, blue. When it enters, you become the monarch. At the beginning of your upkeep, any number of target players each mill two cards. If you're the monarch, they mill ten instead. Um, I know, I think it was Brian Koval was talking about this is going to be like his new win con and miracles or something. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what gets played with this, you know. Um, I know I'm not I, I talk about it that I'm not much of a brew person, but I end up playing decks where there's not like a this is the list that you play kind of a thing. So I'm trying to be active in the discords and stuff and just see what other people are trying. So I think it's I think it'll be interesting. Um, I feel like commander players are excited. And even if it's not a format that I'm not crazy about, I'm happy for them, you know. And getting more full arts. I'm down with that too. Let's be honest. Yeah. So I just saw the that's, foil. That's I just cool. saw the full art factor fiction. I'm, I need to pick some of those up. <laughs> yeah. No, that's sweet. The Kadama's Reach, like that's gonna be wild. That's that card was even like the cheapest version was like two dollars, three dollars. I'm like, damn. And you know, looking at uh some of the uh popper playable cards now, Flesh Mag Marauder is gonna be popper. Um, there were some other ones that were downshifted recently. Uh, there's the oh, I was gonna say like there's like that blue, almost passivism effect that has monarch on it at common. Yeah, that one. That seems bonkers. Yeah, that one's nice. Oh yeah, it's uh, fall from favor. Two and a blue enchant creature. When it enters, you tap enchanted creature, and you become a monarch. Enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step unless that player is the monarch. So that yeah, that's I think that's definitely some interesting stuff in here. So and like I just think the cool arts and stuff too, they're really they're getting some of the ones that people are already playing, the commanders and the partners, and they're they're doing like the full art kind of stuff, going in more detail. I, I think it's sweet. So it, that's cool to see people doing definitely that. Definitely gives people a lot more options of like personalizing their decks with all the different full arts mm-hmm. and foils and all the options they have. Yeah. 
I think something that's interesting is I, I I'll talk about this one and then pass it on to you guys. So I'm not taking up this whole segment um, uh, is the jeweled Lotus. I think that's something that it got spoiled and I felt like Twitter was on fire. Half of the people were upset. Half the people were celebrating. It's wild. But in that same announcement, they talked about reprinting Staff of Domination and Skullrack in full art forms or borderless forms. And it seems like those weren't even talked about at all. I'll be honest. (laughs) I didn't know those were getting reprinted until I scrolled down on this page to find Jeweled Lotus because I couldn't remember the name. Mm -hmm. And then they're just sitting right there. I'm like, oh, those are cards. And then you have like Arcane Signet is a borderless thought vessel. All of these cards that were, you know, auto includes on these in commander decks that some people are upset about and all that. And I, I totally understand. Um, they're getting like they're pimped out versions. I think that's going to be wild. But yeah, the jeweled lotus thing I think is is interesting. I I don't know if I really have an opinion. I don't I don't play commander like I mean I guess I the two commander decks I have are like hundred dollar budget kind of it's a joke deck like the door and the siege tower like yeah i it's literally i like big butts and i cannot lie like that's the that's the deck you know <laughs> I mean, you so, gotta know what you gotta know yeah i mean it, it's it is what it is you know i thought about rebuilding krenko again and like yeah that's fine like i'll just use my non-signed stuff that's cool um but I, I think some of the reprints are cool um yeah, and, and getting those getting those arts and stuff. Uh, the other card, I just remembered I found it. Filigree Familiar is now a common, and my um, uh, Tortured Existence deck in Pauper is excited about that. So it seems really good. With I will pass existence. it on to you guys talking about cards. <laughs> Filigree Familiar. That is a great card that like never saw a lot of play. Mm-hmm. It's like a very nice card. Well, I remember it was popping up literally, I think the last time my cousin was playing Kiki Chord in Modern. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And he had it in there. I mean, this is years ago. <laughs> and I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> like, you just go into this and then, oh, go away from it. And you win both times. Like, this is great. This is such a cool card. I remember it's, it being in like the standard Emerge decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like a very cool. It just like fit with the deck well and like a nice clean one. A nice value card, for sure. Well, I think that was that was super cool, and and it's it's one of those things where it's not it's not my favorite card, it's not my favorite art, but I just like that card. Mm-hmm. So being able to have a chance to like play it again yeah sign me up you know shit i'm playing tortured existence anyway like like i'm gonna win most games <laughs> like i'm just here to have a good time happy right. to be here you know trying to click some things we're good <laughs> but i yeah i don't i don't know if there's other cards you guys are excited about or anything i think the card that stands out the most to me is opposition agent uh, it's a three. It's two and a black for a three two with flash. You control your opponents while they're searching their libraries, and then while an opponent is searching their library, they exile each card they find. 
You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled, and you may spend mana as though it was mana any color. The very first thing I thought when I saw this card was violing it in in response to a doomsday and killing my opponent with it. Because that seems Yes. Fun. <laughs> it's like, you're going to pick five random cards and exile everything else and those five cards. Good luck, opponent. <laughs> I hope you have some bullshit because <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> no. I think that is... I, I agree that card's like been in the forefront of my thoughts. Uh, I think it is very good against Doomsday, but I think people overstate its importance in other matchups. Mm-hmm. It is very slow, so it doesn't screw with fetch lines very easily. Yeah, it's a you know, slower, you played a three minute. Yeah, it's a slower lean in arbiter. Yeah, and like maybe that's fine, but that's just like an important thing that like people are like, oh, it screws with fetch lines. I'm like, this is three drops are not good enough fetch lands. Mm-hmm. Like it's. Like Thalia Heretic Cathar, not good against fetch lands. Aven Mind Sensor, sweet art, awesome, like in a fun border, not very good. These are cards that like fill a very similar role, but don't have the the that wherewithal in the formats mm. that they exist in. But I think, I think Oh, continue, oh, sorry. No, <laughs> I think the decks that are going to be able to leverage it, so we're looking at legacy. Well, I'll talk about legacy and where I think they could be leverages. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like two decks. It's unsurprisingly the decks that have continually gotten cards in 2019 and 2020. It's Snow and or Delver. These are just like the type of cards that are able to leverage this sort of ability consistently because of how, you know, these decks function. It's good. And it will line up against combo decks that search as opposed to fair decks that search. Mm-hmm. Given that a lot of fair decks, outside of like green sun zenith search effects are optional so i looked at it from if someone played against taxes it it is ends up being a glorified like hushwing griff or whatever the card is from ixalan that does the same thing mm-hmm. it's like just stops etbs mm-hmm. where a lot of i think people expect it to be better than it will like it's really easy to think of the great plays of it and as opposed to every other time where they just don't crack their fetch land into it because they've played magic and Mm. my opponent will beat me if I just give them my land for no reason. Yeah. I think you have to think of like the average result, not Mm. the magical Christmas land result. I mean, magical Christmas is so good, but I love living. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. I mean, if if you, if you think of just the magical Christmas land, then just about any card is good. It's true. But no, I think definitely. I think something that was brought up as well is th- this card was initially out there and people were, you know, doing their takes and whatnot on it. And then I, I saw a, a discussion, this thread on, um, on it, talking about that, that it's at three mana cost. And I think looking in Legacy for three mana, how much, how much can you do for three mana in Legacy? You can play... Oko that is most likely going to win the game if it hits the table and like results, you know, for three mana, you can bring a grizzle brand out, you know, because that's a thing that regularly happens, you know, you can just win games. So is this three mana investment worth it to most decks to play? And I think that's exactly what you were talking about, you know, trying to figure out what's, what's the average play with this going to be. 
you know, do you get them once because they, you know, they fetched and since it has flash, like that's when you brought it in or you filed it in. Yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. You got me. Cool. And then they just play around it. You know, I, I think it's okay. You have it once, you know, and, and then I guess that's it too. Like you could play into it more, you know, like, Oh, well, playing around days or how many stifles or something do they have? How many opposition agents do they have? I, I think it's it can be good in the right shell. Um, I say this now, probably fully well knowing that this is going to get played against me at one point in time, and it could just be a complete blowout, and that's fine. <laughs> it goes back to the, hey, if they did, if their deck did the thing, that's fine. <laughs> I'll take this L and head to the next round. <laughs> the one thing I do want to do with this card, though, because, yeah, three mana cards are too slow against Fetchlands. This one can be cast off of a dark ritual, and I want to do that to somebody. Just turn one on the play, swamp, dark grit, opposition agent, go ahead. And they just look at their hand mm-hmm. of like three fetch lands and they cry inside. Even or, better. You just do it at instant speed. True. You instant speed, dark grit, and do it. <laughs> turn one, they go to fetch. Like, hold Your on. Opponents- <laughs> like, or you do all that, and then they go, mountain bolt you crap go (laughs) (laughs) so the the thing i think you might see a lot with this and it's probably something that i that i would do if i were to ever play it um if you so if you are main i think it's gonna be mostly in the sideboard because like like you were saying you know it's good against certain decks the decks it's good against it's amazing Mm -hmm. but it's only good against like really good against a few decks but if it does go in the main board, I think what's going to happen is you get somebody with it in game one. And like you were saying, Dom, they're going to play around it. So you just board it out afterwards. Because now it's just it's still doing its job, but it's sitting in your sideboard not taking up a slot in your deck. The number of times I've boarded out all four days is in a Delver deck. And my opponent Me still too. plays around it. It's insane. Like, they have to respect it. Because the one time they don't is the one time you still have it. And, I, and, I, yeah. and I've sat across from a Delver deck going, I bet he boarded out his dazes. But I still have to respect it because what if he didn't? Mm-hmm. But what if they didn't and I just lose the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, that, it's very much a daze problem. Man, daze is so good. Mm-hmm. Card's insane. So I'm glad you brought up Mountain Bolt you, Dom. Because the deck, or one of the cards I'm really looking forward to is Wheel of Misfortune. We were talking about this uh, the other night. It'd be a lot of fun to put that into a burn deck. And that's the last card in your hand. And it's like, what are you at? Eight? Okay, cool. I pick eight. Would you like to have me draw a new hand? Or would you like to die? (laughs) Because either way, you're going to die. Either way, you die. (laughs) Yeah, you're at eight. I'm at 19. I say eight. Cool. I now have a full hand. Now, again... (laughs) It's three mana, it's sorcery speed. Eh. But it does probably win you the game if it resolves. So I, th- I mean, I think that card's very I don't think it like I don't think it's a four of. No. It'll, no be, like, it'll honestly yeah. be a sideboard card for against the fair uh fair decks. And I think Yeah. Like, I mean, it's better than every browbeat ever printed. Yeah. Oh, because which I think is something to be said for it. Yeah, because every browbeat effect that's ever been printed has always been your opponent gets to pick what is best for them. 
This is yeah. one of the only ones where you get to pick because you already made their life total lower than yours. Magic is often a game about cutting off people's choices. So when you play cards that give them choices, they can pick the right one. Mm -hmm. sure. Very rude of them when they do that. <laughs> it's like, I just want but my opponent to punt. <laughs> Come on. But then there's the, the gifts pile, and it's like, what are the right two choices? No one knows. <laughs> those, You're those, dead either way. Yeah, the gifts pile where the choice literally doesn't matter is always the fun, most fun one to go get. The illusion. Yeah, you're like, I see you thought you had a choice. Instead, just roll the die. You're dead. That's fine. <laughs> For the good old unburial rights, Iona. Which two would you like to pick? Excellent choice. Ah, uh, excellent choice. <laughs> That's right. Jeez. I've done um, gifts because I was playing, you know, Storm and Modern for a little bit. I've done gifts pile where I hand it to my opponent, they pick, then they die, and then we're talking after the game, and they're like, so "What was the right choice?" I'm like, "Oh, like <laughs> you're dead no matter what you pick." Like I seriously don't know what you picked there. You did not have a correct choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of why you play the card yeah. to eliminate choice. The correct choice was to kill me before we got there. True. That's the correct choice. <laughs> you let it resolve. That was your mistake. So back on the, the commander cards. So my favorite thing about them, I'm not a huge extended art person, but these etched cards is how I've heard of them described, where they have like the sunken in text box with the mm -hmm. symbol in it. I really think they're pretty. Yeah. They're just no, like, I, I think those are fantastic. Yeah. Because yeah, they started doing those. I, I don't think I've heard problem. them described that way. An etched card. That sounds cool. <laughs> I feel like I saw it somewhere. I could have just made it up. At which hey. point, I take all credit. But I don't think <laughs> I Either way, it works. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and like the fact that they're doing yeah. this on like actual playable good commanders is nuts. Yeah, um, they're they're very cool to me. Yeah, at least what I'm seeing on Mythic Spoiler, it looks like it's just like multicolored commanders that they're doing that. Oh no, there's a couple monocolored, but it looks like it's just you know legendary creatures that they're doing that with. Yeah, but still cool. Like I remember, there's like the the crow spiral has an art like that. Uh, Eliminate has it as well, and like I just think that art style is very cool and accents the art where I don't always like the blown up extended art. But mm -hmm. that's a very personal preference, and I love that people have the option. Mm -hmm. Options yeah. are great. Absolutely. Make your joy your pretty. Yeah. That's why. That's one of the reasons I really want Astrolade to be banned in Legacy. I want to be able to pick my basics again. I don't just want to mm -hmm. pick old or new bordered. Hmm. See, so just don't play it, and you can play whatever basics you want. It's fair. You could be like me and spend $60 on basic mountains <laughs> and just keep going and still need 15 Yeah. Well, it's your fault for playing 21 in a deck. Why don't we play 20? Hmm. Speaking of 21, so my friend John Ryan, who's XJ Cloud Online, just won the challenge on Sunday. Mm hmm. With Yorion taxes. So I saw, I, I literally saved that picture yeah. off of Twitter. I saved it. Was, I was going to send it to Ian. <laughs> I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> we called it Sky Noodle taxes because Sky Noodle. Mm -hmm. I, I like God, it. It's so good. All right. It, 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 there's a bunch of cool things about it. So when we were, so our one friend made the deck originally and put in like 50 games. 50 matches 
and then just told John Ryan to play it, similar to how Cyrus told me to play shops. But we end up finding that the deck's mana base works out better a lot of the time with that configuration because it's a higher density of white of white sources. <laughs> just because you can't put more wastelands and ports in your deck when you're at 80. So you just end up jamming more basic planes in the deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when when your deck list starts with 20 planes plus other lands, I like it. <laughs> yeah, looking yeah. at it now, and it looks like it's mainly just, well, they keep printing new good cards for taxes that push out some of the old cards. Well, let's just play hey. them all. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Which, how many cards have been printed before, I mean, printed in 2019, 2020? Because I know the answer. Not a lot. I'm not saying a lot, but there's a couple, right? Now I'm going to look it's like eight. A, now I'm going to look an ass when there's none. <laughs> it's eight. Uh, there's four Skyclave, two Sideboard, Deafening Silence, the Yorion, and a Charming Prince are the eight cards. Which, compared to a lot of a lot of decks are getting in Legacy, Taxes didn't get a real playable card outside of the Red and Six meta prior to Skyclave. Mm -hmm. The last card we got before that was Conspiracy 2, which was a nutso set for the deck, yeah. just mm -hmm. to be clear. That set was <laughs> insane for taxes. But for like the four to five years after that, we got a bunch of almost cards. So like the meme was that like taxes got a new card, but taxes never actually got a new card. It got a new card to try and then see it was bad. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, at least wait, they reprinted, wait, wait, wait. At least they reprinted planes. Hang on. It's true. <laughs> Conspiracy 2 was four or five years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. It was copyright 2016. So, yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah. Don't worry. This is a common conversation about people and thinking taxes gets new cards. But we really didn't. We got like deafening silence and then Skyclave, which was actually insane. Mm -hmm. It's the Thought Not Syrup O rings and it's like the best card ever. It's great. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to play with Flicker Wisp. It's also just great that you answer Oka. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know how dumb that card is? So dumb. Mm -hmm. I, I like got my me. full arts, and I just sent them off last week to get signed. So I'm pretty excited for those. I'm trying to rebuild uh, Legacy Death of Taxes. So. No, it's cheap, so. Yeah. I'm next to one of you build. Yeah, you have the, I think, have the expensive parts. <laughs> I have I have the expensive parts, um, but then I'm trying to get things signed and like we talked about getting the custom ones. So I'm looking at the uh, borderless swords, and nice. those are kind of pricey. But hey, whatever. You only need one on them, so mm -hmm. it's whatever. Yeah. I have a couple <laughs> cards I need to buy now. Uh, mm -hmm. I need to buy because I have the deck foiled out. Okay. And I have like it, it's very pretty. Uh, I have basically oldest printing foil is my usual plan, and mm -hmm. I don't do extended arts because it doesn't fit with the other style of cards. That's kind of like, I just it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. But I need to buy a Judge Feast and Famine because old border promos are sweet. Mm -hmm. And then I need to buy Doggo Planes because there's Doggo, I mean, uh, Doggo Rest in Pieces because mm -hmm. I can have dogs as Rest in Pieces as instead of Therese Nielsen rest in pieces, so I'm going to pick dogs. Fair. Seems like a pretty easy choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but maybe like one more thing, but like it's just those. 
Well, unless yeah. I'm playing Yorian, which I need a bunch of other. I need like six more basic planes that match. <laughs> Last time I bought planes, I brought the price up a dollar. <laughs> now everything's like four dollars instead of three dollars when I bought them last time. It's very rude. You should have just bought all of them back then. I should have. Well, the I bought out Card Kingdom of them at the time. <laughs> well, Affecting the price of your basics by just finishing a deck. <laughs> well, sometimes you buy a weird basic from the invasion and like nobody has it. So you buy all of them that were on the market I, for reason. I understand. <laughs> I'm trying to get more uh, Mount Fuji APAC mountains. And, wait, uh, wait a second. Do you have some? I think I have one. <laughs> Might be in talks with you here, David. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It's in, it's in one of these boxes. Now I'm gonna look. See, what's funny is you're talking, you're talking about, about um, taxes not getting any new decks. I'm a burn player. Oh, I'm so sorry. The most recent <laughs> card we've gotten for that deck is Monastery Swift Spear. That card's like the best red card printed ever. It's which is up there. which is from when I started playing Magic. Come on, it's only been seven years, Luke. You're just getting greedy, asking for more. Is it this one? Yes. Uh, it's hard to tell. In the... It says on the bottom, right? Is it the 97 one? It looked really washed out because I would have sworn it was a planes just looking at it. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> like, There's a lot of glare. Yeah, the glare. There we go. I believe that yeah. is a Mount Fuji. 97, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh I can talk to you about that one. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we can chat after. I won a pack of of a pack at one point. There you go. And I've never done anything with them. Mm-hmm. Hey. I understand. Hey, Dom Dom's the maniac who wins or buys sealed packs and then cracks them open for the mountains. Mm-hmm. I've yes. opened two clear packs for mountains. Hey. That was fun. They're printed to be played. And then I I random like I accidentally uh it was what three in the morning and I was like a bottle and a half of sangria in and someone posted up uh sealed blue packs and I was like, I'm all about this. How many do you have? And the guy was like, Eight, you know, this is awesome. Like I said, I'll buy them all, whatever. Completely forgetting that they made Eurolands. And I bought eight sets or eight packs of Euro lands instead of APAC lands. And I mm. was very upset when I got them. I didn't open them. I was just like ashamed. I was just shameful. Didn't say anything to anyone. Didn't want to get made fun of, whatever. Oh, now you have to move them all. <laughs> made all my money back and then some. Oh, nice. Now I can talk about it. <laughs> the tilt okay. is gone. They're fine. There's a reason why I own these like. Simplified Chinese wooded foothills. Mm-hmm. If three of them, quarantine. You know, sometimes you just you're having a bad day, and now, then you buy Chinese simplified wooded foothills for no reason. Understandable. I mean, before before quarantine, I didn't have any legacy cards. Now I own Omni Show, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like a not super expensive deck. Yeah, no, it was like the forces. I had a I had a lot of the fetches anyway. Like the, I don't have traps, but those will come eventually. Because if I kill you before my life total matters, I can play Chocolands. It doesn't matter. Yeah, of decks to Jay Vonderman's not a huge issue. 
Yeah, you can also just play the astrolabe variants. I I currently do. I play the stomping ground, not the taiga, because that two life doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> when you get to a point in Belcher where it's like, okay, cool, I'm playing a foil Russian OG stomping ground because it's more expensive than the dual land. That's just fun. You just out here flexing. I did, I didn't go I didn't go that hard with it. I don't was it Googling <laughs> that does that? I think so. All right. Well, if you guys have any other cards, we can talk about those. But other than that, I think we've covered pretty much everything that uh, we're going to hit tonight. Yeah, sounds reasonable. Yeah, uh, I think. Big thank you I'm to David good. for showing up and sharing all the vintage knowledge. Because Lord knows we don't got a lot of that much here. <laughs> but from yeah, of course. Good time. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, have you back next time you win an event. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> One step at a time. <laughs> all right. So from all of us here at the Premium Game Effect Podcast, y'all have a good night. We will see you next time. Bye, everybody. See you. See you.